and thank you very much for checking in on Code with Kingy's second round review of Super Rugby Aotearoa where I am once again joined by my dad. Yeah, two games of footy, Chiefs Blues, Hurricanes Crusaders, two very different games, one because of the weather but then also with the way that they both played out and here's what me and my old man thought of both of them. Enjoy. Well, thank you very much dad for jumping back on. Um, obviously we had two games of rugby this weekend. The first one was the Chiefs and the Blues, which the Blues won, winning 24-12 in a pretty gritty game. Especially that first half, it was pretty ugly and the, the conditions didn't help. And the Blues sort of went away with it. Or they, I just think they, they played the smarter rugby overall. And their forwards stood up again. So, yeah, what were your first initial thoughts on the game? I thought... The Chiefs had a bit more ascendancy up front as far as things like position and possession, you know, so like they sort of had, they seemed to have the territory and they seemed to have the possession, but they just sort of weren't really, I guess, ticking the points over. Um, I think a, a big change for me in that last 20 was, and I think we talked about it earlier in the week, that... If they started going under the pump a bit, the Blues, and they would just sort of bring Barrett into 10. Um, the fact that they left it for the last 20, I was a bit surprised. But if you notice, those 11 points they scored was basically in the first 10 minutes when Barrett went into first five. And I think that was the difference in the game, was that 10 minutes between the sort of 60th and 70th minutes where I think he just sort of took a bit of control of the game and that was it I just don't think the Chiefs really recovered no well, there wasn't really a lot that separated them the whole game and then uh, when he, yeah, obviously when he took over the goal kicking when Ortega Black went off and then he kicked the drop goal and then they had the late try with about 10 to go but it was just weird for me because again it was almost like deja vu from last week the Chiefs like you said almost had the ascendancy had the territory and had try scoring opportunities but just poor handling mistakes I think both lineouts were pretty woeful and again you can sort of put that down to, to the weather and, but having a, another one man advantage when Dalton Papaletti went to the bin right before half time it's just like I, I would have thought that the, the Chiefs would have almost game planned that at half time you know some sort of way to I guess find the space but they didn't in the end they, I mean they didn't score a try as a whole but I, I don't know what went wrong like I thought that it would improve with Cruden and obviously again the weather isn't going to help, and you're not going to be able to spread the pill as much as you'd like. But what did you what did you see from them? Like I thought, I thought they played sort of exactly the same as last week. I mean, they fronted up a lot more in, in the forwards, but yeah, the backs just haven't clicked yet. They missed Sam Kane big time. I thought. Uh, I just think he would have probably added a bit, a little bit more calmness, you know. And you also got to remember they had two quite ex- inexperienced young locks so they were very enthusiastic but but you know neither of them is a, a Brody Retallick of any sort so I wouldn't underestimate the lack of composure and experience that they didn't sort of have in the type five but 
that just comes with injuries. And I, I was always a bit worried as soon as it was announced that Sam Kane wasn't playing. Yeah, I thought that might be a bit of an issue because in some ways a lot of their position and position and a lot of their energy was just sort of a little bit uh, maybe misguided. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be too hard on the the backs because I actually thought it was because of the conditions it was more of a forwards game anyway. I don't know. I just I just don't feel like that they don't have the same sort of cohesion, like even for off the back of last week. And yeah, maybe if they played in better conditions this week, the, the backs maybe would have been able to use the ball a bit better. But yeah, and, and touching on the Blues though, they just seem to be playing smarter rugby, which is weird considering like um, I guess the I guess my own sort of perspective on them with all of their history. But do you put that all down to Barrett? I mean, there, there seems like there's been a bit of a culture change and especially like in their forward pack with guys like, I mean, Hoskins, Satutu had a blinder, so did Patrick Toifolosu. Um, I thought James Parsons played pretty well. I'm not, yeah, like this, in terms of like the, the way they, even though they were under the pump and maybe didn't have the field position, it, it was almost like they, when they cleared, they cleared well or you know, in terms of their option taking under pressure. It just seems different. And I felt like, I, I don't want to pin that all on Barrett because he's only been here the last two weeks, but we see what sort of influence he can have, both, you know, he's in a tangible and intangible sense. But Yeah, I, what, yeah. I, think, I think the change in the forwards doesn't have anything to do with Barrett. I think just having him in the team just gives a bit more reassurance and confidence. So, like, if you're a forward and you're working hard and you're trying to win all this front football for your backs and that, I think knowing that you've got Bowden Barrett in there somewhere just fills you with a bit more confidence so that you're there's a bit more trust. I don't know, there's something I, I sort of see with the Blues, and I don't know if this sort of makes any sense, but I almost sort of feel like the Blues are playing Blues rugby, if that makes sense. So what used to be synonymous with the Blues... And I think, to a certain extent, if you even watch the way they play, anyone who watches Auckland schoolboy rugby, there's a way in which I think the guys that have grown up in Auckland, the way they play their rugby, I think they've finally managed to find a way to transform what they did growing up as school kids and they've transferred it into the professional arena because mm -hmm. that's what it looks like. It looks like something they're very comfortable with. And I think it's sort of something, it's a combination of the way, um, or the way that I think the coaching staff, and probably especially Leon McDonald, have sort of partly bought into that himself, that they've accepted that this team is not the Crusaders. So I think he's sort of allowed the guys to be the Blues. And I, and I think this was the issue that... Mark Hammett had when he came and coached the Hurricanes coming from the Crusaders. I think he tried to turn the Hurricanes into like another Crusaders sort of like um, team and they're not the Crusaders. And I think what Leo McDonald's done is I think he's let the Blues guys sort out for themselves, you know, what is Blues rugby? And I think it's showing in the way they play. Yeah, oh, no, does that like make sense? Um, no, no, no. I, like thinking it, about it from that perspective, like they're they're a lot more physical. Like being a bigger pack, and you, you talk about all from school where rugby, you know, predominantly they are the 
the biggest schools going round. Um, and then even like the, I guess the flair. I mean, like guys like Rico Iwani, uh, Mark Talia, you know, they, like you said, they do look really, really comfortable. There, there doesn't yeah. seem to be the sort of rush with them. And, but it seems like they've, they've found like the balance. So, because yeah. I, I feel like there's, in the past, they've sort of been let down in different areas, maybe with their option taking. Um, yeah. And especially like with sort of their game drivers, there, there's, hasn't been as much control whereas like now yeah yeah I, I just sort of see it if you if you watch them play it's just like it's almost like they've taken in the last couple of years how the uh 10 side has been quite strong in the last couple of years like you know when they won in 2018 mm-hmm. and then they made it to the semis in 2019 it's almost like they got they went back to sort of like what made Auckland rugby what it was and I just sort of feel like those guys that sort of came through 2018, 2019 with the Auckland side, you know, the vast, you know, the vast majority of those guys are still playing for the Blues. And I, I, I just think that's sort of what it looks like. The interesting thing now is going to see how it goes against the Crusaders. That's going to be, I guess, the next challenge. Still touching on the Blues, so uh, one of the guys who's got a lot of the limelight has been Hoskins Satutu, and. Um, like he, he's sort of like come out of nowhere this year. I know that he's always had sort of rats on him, but he's really sort of broken out and sort of set himself apart from a lot of the other younger Lucy's going around the country at the moment. And yeah, he's he's quite a weird blend because like he's a he's a very big guy and he gets himself stuck in um, in the contact area, but he's actually really really skillful as well. I mean, we saw that with that cutout pass that set up Mark Talia's try. Do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, no, I, I'm very impressed with him. Very impressed with him. I think what he's got going for him is he's a little, as opposed to some of these Pacific Island uh, boys, you know, they tend to be sort of quite bulky. He's not as bulky, he's a bit leaner. So I think he's got a little bit of that um, athleticism to him that some of these bulkier guys don't have, and I quite like it. Um, the real test would be would be maybe... The next level up. So if he, if you know, comes at the time where, if he's considered good enough to become an All Black, with that lack of bulkiness, although he is young, so he could sort of still bulk out some more. Whether that lack of bulk that he doesn't quite have at the moment, or whether he'll have it at all, that'll be the test. Is at the next level, but at, at this level at the moment, uh, he looks more than capable. But then you've also got to look at the fact that. He's playing for a team that's very confident, that's playing well, and so that allows him to be as dominant as he is at the moment. So you just can't put it all on him. You've also got to put it on the guys that he's playing with. So the other seven guys in that forward pack have, have probably really helped him stick out. Yeah. Big win for the Blues. They roll into next week, and they have the... Who do they have next week? Highlanders, I think. Yeah. You'd feel confident that they'd be able to get up for that game next week. But um, game two of um, Super Rugby LCD or round two uh, was the Hurricanes and the Crusaders at the Cape Tin, which the Crusaders won 39-25. Obviously, when I sat down to watch this game and the Crusaders break up for that try to reach within the first minute, it was almost like, is it going to be sort of one of those games where, you know, like you said, the, the ball just seems to roll the Crusaders away from, from the outset? Because it was a pretty impressive try considering um, all the handling that went through in the build-up. Funnily enough, the Crusaders sort of suffered 
fate of what all the other teams did last weekend in terms of with the penalty count. It finished at 26 all up, but at one stage during the first half, it was 8-1 to the Crusaders. And it was, I know that they ended up having Jack Kudu go to the bin after half time, but they were pretty fortunate not to have it come before half time. So, first initial thoughts on today's game? It looked like as dominant as the Crusaders were, I mean, what was it, four tries, five tries to one? Yeah, five one. Five to one. They did everything in their powers to keep the Hurricanes in the game <laughs> with their penalty count. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a weird game. Like, it ended up being a lot closer than it should have. Yeah, definitely. So it was almost like when the Crusaders needed to, oh, we'll just go and score a try. But then, for whatever reason, they were giving away a lot of penalties in capable positions, and the Hurricanes just sort of kept ticking away. Like, it was like, with about 10 or 15 to go, it was like 25 all or something? Yeah, 25 all up until I was, was going to bring this up as well. Uh, the, the mistake by the winger, Cobras and Vake, I think that pretty much turned the games. Because, I mean, it was pretty even, Stevens, and... Although the Crusaders like were the more dominant team, you know the Hurricanes, like you said, they sort of stuck at it. And credit to them, they they kept the points ticking over. But I think that last 15 minutes sort of separated, um, I guess, the class of the two teams at the moment. And yeah, it came from sort of like a, I guess, like a brain explosion. But I, I did think that towards the end of that game, the Hurricanes maybe went away from the stuff that was working for them, and some of their option taking, like a few of the kicks that went up. About ten to go, probably win all that. Great, didn't find touch, and the Crusaders punish them, which is what they always do. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I can't, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. But one of the other guys who got more involved this week was Nani Lamapi. Um, he set up a, a a pretty good try, and he got himself stuck in. And, and the Canes seemed to get a little more go forward this week. Um, yeah. And the Canes did look better this week, but I did think that the scoreline probably wasn't a proper reflection of, of what the game was. I think that the Crusaders probably could have piled on a few more points if they had it made it difficult for themselves by giving away so many penalties. And, yeah, I guess, yeah, like we mentioned before, that Van Vake um, mistake obviously like let them back into the driver's seat. But what did, what did you see from the Canes? Did you think that they were better than they were last week? And I, I don't know about you, I was... I was when TJ Perinara went off to get his head checked, I actually thought that the Hurricanes looked a bit better with Jamie Booth at halfback, just in terms of the service. I don't know about you. And then, I mean, the Hurricanes still played well when Perinara came back on. But, yeah, you know, like, touching off our conversation from last week, he, you know, I guess he's continuing his form. Yeah, no, no. Well, I sort of, I saw when Jamie Booth came on, I was like, oh, What's wrong with Peronara? And then, um, obviously, Peronara came back on. I mean, they are different players in a certain extent because Peronara's just just got that physical presence and that's what his game's based around. Um, and I think what is obvious is sometimes if, if Peronara's in a team and he's playing with someone who's got a better pass with them, it's usually quite glaringly obvious. But then Peronara brings those other attributes that, you know, maybe Jamie Booth doesn't, obviously because he doesn't have the physical presence um, and the eye for the try line that Peronara does. And that, that just, it is what it is. But I was sort of, 
I was sort of thinking and sort of giggling to myself during the game after our conversation during the week that I still think that backline lacks a bit of penetration. And I was just sort of thinking, for all the good that Garden Bishop did with, was it 20 points with his kicking in that, there still wasn't really a lot of penetration from that backline. So I guess that's where I was sort of giggling away. I was just saying, oh, yeah, you know, he's kept them in the game with his 20 points of kicking and such and such. But they weren't still uh, really breaching or putting the Crusaders' um, defence under as much pressure as it than, yeah, than they had previously. Yeah, I mean, he, he did kick his goals. And then another moment on the game that I want to touch on was when Goodhue went to the bin and the Hurricanes opted to take the points instead of packing down a scrum. I feel like they should have gone for it because... I guess when you play a team like the Crusaders, and when you know it happened in the end, though that they finished the way they do, you, I feel like you can't almost be neck and neck with a team like that, and, and feel like that's going to be the stuff that gets you home. It's almost like you have to try and apply the killer blow. Well, yeah. maybe that's a that's a confidence thing, though. Maybe they maybe they thought, oh, yeah, we'll take the three, as opposed to thinking, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, we're, we're confident in getting the five or the seven. So you're I think that's more. Uh, sorry. You've got, but you've got, but, you've got the one man advantage, right? Yeah, no, no, I understand that, but that's what I mean. That's that's exactly what I mean. It's a confidence thing. It's like, well, if you're hard on attack and the opposition's just gone down, one player, a confident team go, "Yep, we're going to do this," and they didn't. So that, in a funny sort of way, that speaks volumes of the confidence in the team. So maybe last year's team or you know the hurricanes of three or four or five years ago they would have said yep we're going to put down a scrum and we're going to attack so um yeah i i just think that tends to be a thing so it's like and that's what i mean where the the score line was misleading because of the 20 points that garden bishop kicked now that kept them in the game but it didn't need but I would argue, um, as someone who's sort of impartial, or try to be impartial, that never did it, that I never ever thought during that game that the Hurricanes were going to win. Because when the Crusaders needed to, they scored a try. Because you never really thought that about the Hurricanes during that game. No, there wasn't really that threat with ball in hand. Like they they played. I guess smarter rugby, the, their forwards provided a bit more front football for their backs. But yeah, and no, they, they, I don't think that the Hurricanes ever actually reached, I think, from set piece or even off face plate. It was more so they'd win a penalty, kick to the corner, or you know, take the points on offer. But again, another another big thing for them, well, funny enough for the Crusaders as well, was lineouts. Now, you couldn't really blame the conditions like you can sort of apply it to the first game and it's like yeah well I, I sort of expected it from the Hurricanes because you know they would have had their troubles and you're going up a, against a pretty classy side especially with having someone like Sam Whitelock jumping up next to you but the Crusaders had their own problems and another one was the, the lack of scrums in this game I'm pretty sure that I think in the end there might have only been like three or four. Oh, okay no I didn't really pay attention to that um, I mean, but if, if you sort of, if, you, if you start saying things like, well, you know, the if the Crusaders' lineup was as dysfunctional 
as it's been made out to be, then that even speaks more of the fact that imagine what the score could have been if their line had been a bit more functional. So it probably speaks more to how much more improvement the Crusaders have in them maybe compared to the Hurricanes. Yeah, it was it was definitely an ugly game. Well, you look at the scoreline, right? And the Crusaders scored five tries, and you think that the Crusaders had played well, but I don't think the Crusaders played well at all. I mean, they didn't. No, they didn't have no. to get the win. Yeah. Um, yeah and I yeah, thought no. their, their bench was really really good when they came on. Guys like Mitchell Drummond and David Havili played pretty well when he came back on as well. But yeah, it wasn't a spectacle. Um, there were a couple of good tries, but yeah, weird considering the amount of points that were scored. Do you have anything else that you want to touch on from over the weekend? I mean, like, the the penalty count was still, again, pretty high across both games. So it seemed as if the teams still haven't maybe have learnt their lessons. I, I think that, when I watched that um, Blues-Chiefs game last night, what was glaringly obvious for me watching is still how some guys are still got to get their heads around from not entering the ruck from the side because there were some really dumb penalties given away I just thought where guys it's like because when you sort of got the majority of guys knowing that they can't come from the side when guys actually did it it was glaringly obvious to the point it was almost like uh, and I guess it's just the second week, but it was almost like a brain explosion out of desperation. It was just like, okay, some guys are still in uh, autopilot about coming in from the side, probably used to not getting pinged for it. But I just noticed that a few times in that Chiefs Blues game where when guys got... Because you know how sometimes when refs blow a penalty and you go like, oh, what's that for? And then they'll do a signal and you'd be like, oh, you know, that's questionable. Yeah. Like, there was probably a good handful of those penalties last night when the ref said, yeah, coming from the side, I was like, yeah, that was really obvious. So it looks like the guys, when they are doing it, it looks like a bit of a brain explosion because the majority of the guys aren't doing it now when they're hitting the rucks, which I seem to, th- oh, I th- seem to think that that means that guys are starting to uh, get it now that coming in from the sides, you are going to get pinged, so don't even try it. Because yeah. I don't think many guys got away with coming in from the side, if I remember rightly. Uh, not really. I think the Justin Marshall touched on it in today's game in that I feel like there's almost like... Because I wouldn't necessarily call it a lazy thing, although at times there were sort of ones where you're like, you know, what the fuck was that guy doing that thing for? But when Marshall touched on it in the Hurricanes game, just how quickly that the, the second arriving player is getting onto the ball, guys obviously hitting the ground and not being out of, um, they're running out of me, but that one dynamic movement, it's almost like they're either teams need to learn now, like you sort of touched on last week, they need to have someone up their arsehole latching to them when they're going to make a carry, or keep themselves in the fight and the tackle, trying to keep themselves in the contact and then dropping down once they know that someone's up their arse. Because mm-hmm. almost like the, the, the referees are very conscious now that the second arriving player, as soon as he's on the ball, and as long as he doesn't have his hands on the ground, his hands are on the ball, they're going to win the penalty. And I think that teams, they, they just haven't learned yet, or they haven't really game planned for it yet. Or maybe they haven't game planned it, but they, it just hasn't been applied properly that 
they, they're almost the players are almost wide now that as soon as they see someone arriving in, they almost don't even worry about coming through the gate. They just need to take him out because they know how quickly that the refs are going to ping them. Yeah, yeah. It, that just seems to me there there's an element of I almost sort of feel like there's less guys hitting the breakdown now. And so when guys are going to the breakdown, it's glaringly obvious when guys are infringing. Because it just sort of, it almost seems to be like, yeah, we're really only going to commit one or two. And it's glaringly obvious if someone's infringing. That's what it looks like. I just sort of feel like there's a couple of less players at the breakdown than maybe previously. Because it is, it's, it's so glaringly obvious now when, when the ref goes, pings on us, like, when he sort of says, you know, if guys, if you're going off your feet, it's like, yeah, that was really obvious. Or guys coming from the side, it's really obvious. So there tends to be less, I think, people going, oh, ref, because it's like, yeah, it's right there. Yeah, I know the team's put a pretty big emphasis now about having guys in the game, because I think if, you, if you're committing two, three, even four guys to a ruck, I guess leaving the opposition with, with space to work with, with, with having more guys on their feet. Yeah. It sort of looks, it almost looks like a battle of, it's almost like both teams have gone in with a plan, it's just we're going to make the breakdown like a two-on-two thing. Yeah. That's what it sort of looks like. And so when there are infringements, because you know, like the more you commit bodies there, it tends to become a bit of a, a bit of a guessing game when there's more bodies piled up. Yeah, well, yeah, when, when it's slow ruck ball, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, but with but with less bodies, an infringement is a lot more obvious. Yeah, that's just how it appears to me. Yeah, well, I, I hope that the the, the team sort of learn from. It. I, I like you said, like the Crusaders obviously didn't fall victim to to losing today as as a punishment for their own discipline because, like you said, they they were they did look pretty good. Um, when they sort of needed to be. They sort of had like an on and off switch, thinking about it now. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I didn't think this weekend's games were as great as last weekend's. Again, the weather didn't help on Saturday night, and I guess the, the Crusaders, I guess, showed their, just their lack of experience with the new rules uh, coming into it off the back of having the bye last weekend. But anyway, Dad, uh, appreciate having you on, appreciate getting your insight. I definitely, even like listening back to our, our preview, um, when I went through the editing, you know, I, I took a lot of learnings out of it. I really appreciate your input with that sort of stuff. And hopefully if you have a bit of spare time in the future, I'll get you on after I, I get some of the other boys on. So, yeah, thank you. Well, namahi ki akwe. I did. You have a great night. Catch you later. Yeah, mikwe hoki. Later.